Hello, and welcome to episode 11. You've come to the right place if you're looking for all movie-related things, past, present, and future. Not to mention fun trivia to keep your mental movie motor running. I'm Frank, a suburbanite in the Boston, Massachusetts area, and this is Silver Screeners. So, a couple of things that are on the docket for today's show. First of all, we do have the trivia question from last time to wrap up. And as always, there is a new one this time around as well. But the focus, of course, will be a look at the summer of 1994 when we had two big-budget popcorn flicks engaging in a blockbuster box office smackdown to see which one would reign supreme. And then we wrap it up with the results of the poll put out there on my socials over the past week or so to see which of these two cinematic stalwarts is the one that you go for more. So, let's get this patty going and begin with the trivia question from last time. In the last episode, we talked about the Goonies. We goonied our way through Astoria, Oregon. We made our way through the tunnels and caves that one-eyed Willie dug, slid down the water slide, and climbed aboard a pirate ship, and found the hidden treasure and saved those goondocks. Once we found a new friend in Sloth Fratelli, he bellowed out, Hey, you guys, which brings us to the question, What 1970s kids TV show has Rita Moreno hollering, hey you guys, at the beginning of the opening credits? And if you answered The Electric Company, you are right on the money. Yes, The Electric Company, a sketch comedy series for kids. It began in 1971. It lasted for six seasons until 1977. It stayed on PBS and reruns through 1985. Sketch comedy series, it taught basic reading skills and letter recognition using skits, comedy, music, animation. It was sort of the sister show to Sesame Street. Same production team, I think. So go on to YouTube. Go into YouTube and type in Rita Moreno. Hey, you guys. And you too can then learn how there are two sounds to the letter G. And the two people who apparently know both sounds of G, I mean, they obviously have seen the electric company and learned from it because... They got the right answer. So, Drew Bennett from Ben Spack Family Adventures, his daily vlog on YouTube, and Mike from the show Now This Is Podcasting, a show devoted to anything and everything that you can ever hope to enjoy in the Star Wars universe. So, be on the lookout for those sloth memes, guys, and much obliged for your participation in this trivia thing and helping to keep it going. Speaking of keeping things going, here is this episode's trivia question. So we're talking today about Speed and True Lies. Now, True Lies stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis as a married couple. Jamie Lee Curtis has been referred to as the screen queen for her performances in a handful of horror movies from the late 70s, early 80s. A very long and rightfully decorated career she has. Which horror movie, though, which of the following horror movies is not one of hers. Is it Halloween, The Fog, or The Evil Dead? She did two of those. One of them she did not. Halloween, The Fog, The Evil Dead. Which of those three titles is not on her filmography? So, contact me. If Twitter is your bag, the handle is filmbuff1974. If Instagram is more your speed, hey, no problem. Frank Mendoza, 1974 it is, and my Facebook group, Silver Screeners, also extends a warm welcome, and it's public, so there you go. And if you're not on social media, you can also shoot off an email to frankmendoza at yahoo.com with your answer. You'll get a personalized meme sent right back at you, and a shout out in the next episode. 
along with a no-strings-attached plug for anything that you're hoping to promote, whether it's a website, music that you write, or a podcast of your own, or what have you. So, let's get this thing going. Let's flash back to that crazy summer, 1994. So, in that summer, we had two high-octane action thrillers released about a month apart from each other. They both became, both of them, box office bonanzas that raised the bar for the genre. So we were only at the midway point, the halfway point of the year of 1994, and already there had been so much going on that would dominate headlines, both good stuff and bad. January saw the attack on Olympic skater Nancy Kerrigan, for example, a couple of months later, at that year's Oscars, Steven Spielberg, he nabbed his first Best Director Oscar for 1993's Schindler's List, and that also got Best Picture. Tom Hanks got the first of his two Academy Awards for his role in the 1993 drama Philadelphia. There was the passing of musician Kurt Cobain. There was the passing of former First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. And there was... On June 17th, what was for a lot of TV viewers a riveting, low-speed car chase, O.J. Simpson in his white Bronco along the freeways of Los Angeles. Now, that's an image I very much remember being live on TV. It sort of seared itself into the consciousness of the nation, perhaps even the whole world. But the irony is that while that became one of the most watched events in TV history on June 17th, there was a fast-paced action movie released just days earlier involving a bus flying down the freeways of Los Angeles and eventually a runway at Los Angeles International Airport at LAX, bus going at 50 miles an hour. The movie, Speed, firmly established Keanu Reeves as a bona fide action star long before The Matrix, long before John Wick. It launched the career of Sandra Bullock, who would go on to conquer the box office with a string of comedies and dramas that would eventually get her the Academy Award for The Blind Side, and a second nomination after that one for 2013's Gravity. But in Speed, 1994 Speed, you have the villain, Dennis Hopper. Yeah, easy rider, Dennis Hopper. <laughs> he camps it up in a hilariously hammy, over-the-top performance. He plays a former cop named Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. He's a bomb expert. He's spent his entire career in the service of the LAPD, the Los Angeles Police Department. All he has to show for it at his retirement is a gold watch they give him. So he uses this gold watch to to build these makeshift bombs so that they would know he's the one behind them. Basically, he thinks he deserves more than what he actually got. So his motivation is pretty basic. It's pretty simple for this kind of an action movie. I suppose it works. It's nothing overly substantial. He is just a mercenary. He's looking for money that he feels he has coming to him. So at the beginning of the film, and I will say now, this is going to be spoiler-free. I'll talk about the first maybe 10, 15 minutes of the movie, but I'm not going to be revealing any major plot spoilers, so no worries there. At the beginning of the film, he rigs an elevator to trap some hapless victims that he'll hold hostage. The opening shot that begins the credits, you have the, you have the exterior of the elevator shaft and the opening credits begin, and the camera pans down and down and down. It's like the ship in Spaceballs. It's like, you know, <laughs> this has got to end someplace, right? There's, there's this 
ominous music that's playing. So it sets the mood. The story kicks off pretty much right away. And you have everybody in the elevator. And the elevator suddenly go, you know, goes plummeting down the shaft. And what you have on screen is the least panic-stricken crowd of folks in this endangered elevator that you ever will enjoy. I don't know if they were just weren't aware that the camera was on them. I don't know if they were just lousy actors. I, I don't know what the situation was, but they did not look panicked. It's like they forgot they were in a movie. They just seem more confused and annoyed than anything else. But Keanu Reeves, he plays LAPD SWAT. He, is, he plays a guy named Jack Traven and his partner, Jeff Daniels, uh, who plays Harry. So Jack and Harry, they swoop in, they save everybody from the elevator, they thwart the efforts of Dennis Hopper, the bad guy, and so things seem to be okay. So, then what Payne does, Dennis Hopper's character Payne, what he does sometime later, is try again. And he rigs this city bus with the same intention in mind, money. The bomb is set to go off if the bus dips below 50 miles an hour. There you have the title of the movie. So Keanu Reeves, Jack Traven, once again, he attempts to save the day. He hops on to this endangered bus. You have the driver of the bus incapacitated. So Sandra Bullock, she plays Annie. Annie is a passenger on the bus, and she bravely takes the wheel once the driver can't drive. She takes the wheel. The rest of the passengers, they find themselves eventually at the ends of their rapidly fraying ropes in this race against time. So... Here are some top behind-the-scenes film facts about this flick that'll get your adrenaline pumping. So I gave you the basic premise the first 15, 20, 25 minutes. So again, spoiler-free. But I will say this. I have here some top behind-the-scenes film facts that I think you're going to find pretty fascinating. Number six. I have six of them. An odd number, I know, but I didn't want to go to 10 every single episode and throw in some stuff that's really extraneous. I just want to go for the good stuff. So, however many it is, it is. So, <laughs> here we have number six. According to Empire Magazine, the role of Jack Traven was first offered to Stephen Baldwin, but he turned it down. Sandra Bullock's role. They first had Holly Berry in mind as a no-nonsense ambulance driver. Then they sort of reinvented the character. They had her instead become this wisecracking driver's ed instructor, which could have worked. For the role, though, at that point, they were considering Ellen DeGeneres. Ultimately, Sandra Bullock signed on, and the rest, as they say, is history. Number five. In addition to Sandra Bullock's haircut, which looks very much like Courtney Cox in the early season of Friends. Keanu Reeves also had a hairdo that made studio executives a little nervous. He was most known at this point in time for the Bill and Ted movies and for Point Break. He had done Dracula for Francis Ford Coppola, but he always seems to have his trademark. It was a early 90s look. It was the, the floppy hair. He made that famous, and... It was not to the liking of the studio executives when they took a look at him when he signed on for the role in Speed and saw that he had cut his hair short. They were horrified by the look. It is the look that's in the final print of the film. He and the director both liked it. They figured this is the way a real-life LAPD SWAT team would look. He would have the short hair. He wouldn't have the, the floppy do, but... Even if the studio executives did not like it, we can still enjoy very much his uh, very 
time period specific outfit. The unbuttoned heavy flannel shirt over a t-shirt, the, the cargo pants. I swear to God, the costume designer at the time must have raided my closet because that was my go-to wardrobe every day of my life in the early 90s as well. Number four, to get the close-up and medium shots of Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock at the front of the bus, the production team built this platform at the front of the bus in front of the steering wheel. So Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, they were facing this platform. And the platform was enclosed in plexiglass, and it was just roomy enough. It had just enough space for three camera operators and some sound equipment. Also, she was not really the one driving the bus a lot of the time. There was, she was steering the wheel, but there was a stunt driver sitting on the roof of one of the buses they used for some shots. He was the one using the actual steering wheel that was specially constructed to be on the roof. Everyone affectionately called that particular bus the Pope-mobile. Number three. If you're saying to yourself as you're looking out at those passengers, huh, that guy with the camera looks familiar, yes, that is indeed Alan Ruck who plays Cameron Fry, Ferris Bueller's best friend in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He plays here in Speed a guy named Doug. He is a tourist. He's on the bus with the camera. He's a tourist. His character was originally going to be this abrasive lawyer who does not survive the ordeal by the end of the film, but they went in the direction instead of having his character be a bit more naive and sympathetic instead. They thought it would have more mass appeal that way. Number two. The director of the film, Jan de Bont. This was his first film as director, his directorial debut. He was a seasoned cinematographer and director of photography. On his resume, on his filmography, he had movies. He served as cinematographer for movies like Lethal Weapon 3, um, The First Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, Basic Instinct, Cujo, Stephen King's Cujo. But even with that impressive resume, he was not the studio's first choice to direct Speed. They first offered the directing gig to Quentin Tarantino, who had impressed with Reservoir Dogs, but he turned the offer down to make Pulp Fiction instead. And number one. For me, the most head-scratching, and I might need your help with this one to help me make sense with it. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. He had great things to say about his co-stars. He said that Dennis Hopper was, quote, great fun, spontaneous, so alive, clever. Keanu Reeves also said that Sandra Bullock was, quote, beautiful, giving, has a nice, wonderful energy and life. And here's the one that I'm confused about. He also said that she, quote, wants things to be springtime. So, if you can help me out with that one, I would greatly appreciate it. Just, you know, email me, contact me in the socials. If you have any idea what Keanu Reeves meant by that one, that Sandra Bullock wants things to be springtime, I'll take it. And thank you in advance. <laughs> one closing thought on Speed. When all was said and done, Speed raked in over $350 million worldwide. That made 20th Century Fox studio executives flash their pearly whites at each other as they counted up the bills, and they almost immediately greenlit an ill-begotten sequel, one that Sandra Bullock herself referred to as, and I quote, the biggest piece of crap. <laughs> but the less said about said sequel, the better, because I'm still reeling from that speed to bump, so... And that brings us to James Cameron's True Lies. Now, this one came out 
about a month after Speed on July 15th. Okay, so like Speed, True Lies has a sense of humor about it. Though I would argue that Speed probably overall takes itself a little bit more seriously than True Lies does. True Lies is billed as an action comedy, which it is. Schwarzenegger reteams with his Terminator director, James Cameron. He's joined by Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays his on-screen wife. She'd go on to win the Golden Globe for True Lies. She won Best Leading Actress in a Comedy or Musical, so there it is. Schwarzenegger plays Harry Tasca, a professional spy for the United States. He's married to Helen, Jamie Lee Curtis, Helen, a legal secretary. She is unaware of what he really does. She does not know that her husband is a professional spy. She believes that he is nothing more than a boring computer sales rep. She even says early in the film, when she's at work, she says to her co-worker, Allison, eh, whenever I can't sleep, I just ask him to tell me about his day. Six seconds and I'm out. As the title of the movie suggests, True Lies, there's a lot of plot twists and surprising reveals that I obviously am not going to get into here, but I will at least say that they have a teenage daughter, and they seem to have a perfectly bland suburban existence. But from the very first frame of the film, from the very opening, the audience knows better. Because as the movie opens, we're in Switzerland, and there's a fancy party going on at this chateau. Right outside this chateau on the edge of the property, there's this canal. Suddenly, this Schwarzenegger-looking figure wearing scuba diving gear breaks the surface of the water. He takes this torch, he cuts through the iron gate and manages to get onto the property of this chateau. He takes out a walkie-talkie, he talks into it to communicate with his partners, they're across the water in this surveillance van. At the Inside the Chateau, at this party, we meet a character named Juno Skinner, played by Tia Carrera from Wayne's World. She's her character, she's introduced as this antiques collector. It's really difficult to talk about true lies without giving away a lot of its many, many secrets. So I guess I do have to be more cryptic here than I was with Speed, which Speed is much more straightforward. But I will point out a few of my favorite scenes that will not give really much away. First, let's just reiterate that Harry is a world-traveling terrorist battling spy for the U.S., disguising himself to his wife and daughter as a boring computer sales rep. I can at least say that he comes to believe that his wife Helen is cheating on him with some guy named Simon. And the film really does have a very sarcastic, fun sense of humor about it. Some of the humor today is dated and would probably be seen by younger viewers and first-time viewers today through a different lens pun kind of, sort of, not really unintended. It's a wise-cracking take, really, on the spy espionage genre that was a huge enough hit to have some moviegoers wonder why a sequel to True Lies was never made. Personal preference here. One of my favorite action sequences in True Lies is a fight scene that takes place earlier in the film, takes place in a public men's room. I won't get into the context. All you need to know is that Schwarzenegger is the good guy and he's fighting the bad guys. 
So, safely spoiler-free. One of the bad guys has a knife, or a switchblade. He draws it out, he pulls it out, and he lunges towards Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger yanks the automatic hand dryer off the wall. He blocks the, the blade. He uses that as a deflector shield. He blocks the blade. He knocks the hand, the hand dryer into the villain's head, slams him headfirst into the urinal, flushes, and then says, cool off. A few seconds later, he's outside. There's a cop on horseback. He tells the cop to get off the horse. Federal officer in pursuit of suspect. He grabs the horse's reins. The cop goes flying off the horse. He's fine. Uh, he gets up and Schwarzenegger says sorry as he races off. And I'm pointing that out because it was really reminiscent of Terminator 2. If you think back to Terminator 2, there's a scene when he and Sarah Connor, they're in this parking garage and they hijack this, this cop car. They fire a warning shot through the windshield and the cop gets out. Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, walks over to him. He slams, he grabs him and pulls him, behind, you know, yanks him away. The cop goes flying into the concrete pole, and Schwarzenegger and Sarah Connor get into the car, and they take off. So Terminator 2 was pretty self-serious in tone the majority of the time, I guess when it wasn't playing bad to the bone. But in this one, in True Lies, he's riding this horse through swanky restaurants and public fountains and see-through glass elevators and this high-rise, this Marriott Hotel. Point being is that True Lies is all intentionally goofy stuff. So he walks unannounced later on into his wife's office building and he approaches her cubicle. And before she sees him, she takes a phone call from a guy named Simon, her mystery man. And she says things over the phone to this guy, Simon, like, oh, yes, I can get away for an hour. Can't wait to see you. And so Schwarzenegger, Harry, Harry is listening in on this conversation and he is thinking she is talking to some lover of hers on the side so his face reflects all of this astonishment and all of this agony she excitedly grabs her purse once she gets off the phone she bids adieu to her co-worker allison allison giddily calls out to her as she's leaving have a good time get a little bit for me while you're at it and helen walks right past her husband but doesn't notice him because she's looking to her right at Allison as she's heading out. I mean, this happily borders on theater of the absurd, and it's great. So, I do have now a list of fun film facts based on, all about True Lies, and again, the number is six, so here we go. Number six, True Lies is based on a 1991 French comedy thriller. Arnold Schwarzenegger's brother-in-law showed it to him, and he loved it. So Schwarzenegger took the idea to James Cameron, and who basically said, hey, let's do this. So it became their third collaboration after the first two Terminator movies. Number five. Jamie Lee Curtis had done a dramatic thriller in 1990 called Blue Steel, which was directed by Catherine Bigelow who was married to James Cameron at the time. Cameron had met Jamie Lee Curtis when he was on the set, when he was visiting his then-wife on the set of Blue Steel. He knew that he wanted to work with Jamie Lee Curtis at some point if the right project came along, and as it turns out, that project was True Lies, and she really was the only actress he had in mind for the role. He did audition others, including Jodie Foster, mostly to appease 
Schwarzenegger because Schwarzenegger had to be convinced that Jamie Lee Curtis was the best one for the role. Number four. I mentioned already that True Lies does not have a sequel. There were, in fact, at one point, plans for a sequel, but James Cameron, he had spent a handful of years researching and filming and editing and doing press for his little love story called Titanic. He did re revisit the idea after the Titanic hoopla sort of died down. He did revisit the idea of a sequel, a possible follow-up to True Lies, but... The thing of it is, then 9-11 happened, and they knew that it was best just to scrap the idea altogether. I mean, you take a look at the original True Lies, well, the only True Lies, and, you know, it, the premise of the story is that he is a spy who is out to stop these bomb-wielding terrorists, and there are scenes that take place on helicopters, and there are skyscrapers involved, so, yeah, the, the writing was on the wall to, to leave it alone. Number three. I have not yet mentioned co-star of True Lies, Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold, who plays Schwarzenegger's partner and friend, Gib. In one scene, Gib tells Harry about his splitting up with his wife, how she left him and took everything, including the ice cube trays. Apparently, while he was making this movie, that's when Tom Arnold was in the process of divorcing sitcom star Roseanne Barr. And apparently, according to him anyway, she really did take the ice cube trays. So Tom Arnold was telling James Cameron about this while they were making True Lies. Can you believe it? She took the ice cube trays. And James Cameron thought that this was a riot. So he put it into the script and it made it into the final print of the story. It made it into the final draft of dialogue. So Arnold's character says she took the ice cube trays. Number two. Remember that helicopter sequence? where Jamie Lee Curtis is dangling midair, that sequence was filmed on her 35th birthday. And finally, number one. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, this is the first movie to have a production budget exceeding $100 million. And this made it the most expensive movie at that time. But the record did not last very long. Remember Waterworld? If you don't, I'm jealous of you. So, we are taking now the final lap of episode 11 with the results of the poll. I asked for your votes for your preferred 1994 summer action flick. Do you prefer Speed or do you prefer True Lies? And I put this poll out there over Twitter. I put it out there over Instagram. I put it out there over my Silver Screeners Facebook group as well. And congratulations are in order for... True Lies. True Lies got six votes and Speed got four. So thank you to everyone who voted for the poll for the next upcoming episode and to submit your answer to the trivia question. Just follow me on my socials, FilmBuff1974 on Twitter, The Film Group, Silver Screeners on Facebook, Frank Mendoza1974 on Instagram, or you can simply email me at frankmendoza at yahoo.com. So... I don't have yet the poll question ready because I'm still trying to decide between one of two options for next episode. So just follow me in the socials to find out what that poll will be. I'll have it up there very shortly. And again, submit your answer to the trivia question. Which of those horror movies that I mentioned is not one of Jamie Lee Curtis's? Halloween, The Fog, or The Evil Dead? 
And that brings episode 11 to a close. Thank you very much for listening. And if you could kindly give just a few more seconds of your time, give this a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever. Just leave a five-star review. That would be very much appreciated. It really does help with the algorithms. It gets more people aware of the existence of this show. So, Or even better, if you want to leave a quick review, that would be very much appreciated as well. And I appreciate all who have done that so far. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Don't forget, to, don't forget, again, to send in your answer to the trivia question. And as always, I'm Frank, and thank you again for joining me. And until next time, keep on screening. See ya.